0: Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and Americanamusicmagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Singer and songwriter Richie K. grew up being influenced by everything from Gilbert and Sullivan, the Rat Pack, Jimmy Page, and even the opera. He spent many of his formative years playing a lot of jazz-based music. After taking a break from music for nearly 20 years, he rediscovered his love for music and a keen interest in country and Americana. His new album, Plush Life, was released on May 1st. Richie is my guest on this next edition of Americana Music Profiles. Hi, Richie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. How are you, Greg? Good. Good. Uh, Glad to have you on today. Um, I am speaking to you uh, in Texas. Is that right?
1: That's right. We're in Houston where we recorded uh, the album, Plush Life.
0: This new album for you is... um, kind of have a a classic country feel, maybe even on the honky-tonk side, but that's not originally your roots, right?
1: That's correct. Uh, I came to country music rather late in my performing life. Uh, I spent most of my time and my energy focused on uh, American songs from the 1920s to the 1960s, Cole Porter, Irving Berlin, um, show tunes, a lot of jazz trad jazz that sort of thing and and that's where i that's really where i started as a performer
0: how did you get exposed to that music in the first place
1: well i think that was the sort of atmosphere in the house when uh, i was little we always heard around the house one of two things which is either opera and operetta or we heard the the great songs of the uh um, the the 30s and mm-hmm. and the 40s. So it was always there. Of course, my first great guitar hero was Glenn Campbell.
0: Mm, okay. <laughs> did did you have family members that were also musicians?
1: Uh, no, none was a musician. Although my mother uh, could have been uh, a stage singer. She had a lovely voice, but uh, for her, raising a family was the the full-time job she wanted to do so she didn't go into that
0: so did this start for you as a uh as a player and, and and singer as a younger child when when did when did the music bug catch you as a performer i
1: i think i was always interested in live performance so, since a very early age and in my teens of course in school and that sort of thing um and then when I hooked up with uh, my longtime colleague Tony LaVornia, who's uh, he used to be a bebop saxophone player, mm-hmm. but now he's really kind of an all-round uh, horn man, uh, and we've collaborated now for for twenty years on many projects. When that when we started to to work um, in and around the New York City area. Uh, that's really when uh, i i focused primarily on those songs the mm-hmm. older songs from the the great
0: songwriters that were usually mm-hmm. part of of musicals mhm Um, Was this in the form of, uh, you mentioned your your colleague, did you perform mostly as a duet? Was this in a band form? I know a lot of times in in a jazz configuration, there's three or four musicians together. How how did this facilitate out for you when you got to play live?
1: We played almost exclusively in in a duo.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: And the drums and bass are nice, but... Partly is because uh, of the kind of work we were getting and the, the, the kind of work that was being offered, that the, the fewer number of musicians, the more likely you're going to find work uh, mm. playing live. Mm. And what we devised was a, a way where Tony is taking the melody, he's the melody instrument, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm the piano, bass, and percussion. in in one. That's how Mm. I that's how I developed uh, my style of rhythm guitar playing for that kind of music, which is Mm -hmm. to to, to fill as much of the bottom as possible, so that the melody instrument can be can be set free.
0: Um, I I think I read in the notes where uh, you took uh, quite a long break from music in general. Is that right?
1: I did. I was uh, uh, not doing music at all, really, uh, for quite a while because there was really very little work to be found. And finally, when I was uh, just a little bit older, although not even close to uh, my age right now, hmm. uh, the the opportunity arose to begin singing again. And um, uh you know it's sort of like having your right arm attached again it's uh, mm-hmm. it's an important part of the the personality and a way of expression that doesn't exist in in any other form at least not for me
0: mm-hmm. what pulled you back in
1: i think it was just the 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 desire to say well i can't say it was a desire it was more of a uh uh, a sort of almost like a magical pull mm. that um, th- there was something that had to be sung. I didn't know what it was yet at that time, mm-hmm. uh, but um, uh, but it had to had to be done, and I had the
0: opportunity. Mm-hmm. What? How did you get from New York to to um, Houston? Well, we were. Um,
1: I was raised in Connecticut, and I spent a lot of my life uh, overseas. Um, and when we came back, we were there in Connecticut for a period of time, and that's where Tony and I began. And we were also working as a, uh, with a wonderful vocal quartet called Swing Fever. Now, there are several Swing Fever quartets that have existed over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, we worked with uh, an 18-piece big band, Mm, And um, uh, I sang, originally I was going to sing tenor, but I sang bass. And Tony had been associated with them as an act since the 1980s with the great and wonderful, um, um, my favorite uh, person maybe of all time uh, in the music business is Alice Schweitzer. Alice Mm -hmm. was a a singer with her sisters called the Woodside Sisters. They played Mm -hmm. the Palace, Arthur Godfrey Show. They were on Mm -hmm. Sullivan. She's passed away now, but she heard me sing in a show that I was doing. And um, that started our long association. I'm grateful for knowing her. Mm, but we were cool. doing that. We were doing that for a while. And then we had the opportunity to come to Texas about 10 years ago. And um, that's um, I, I, love this, I love Texas very much. Um, so, you
0: had, you had reinitiated yourself in the music scene before moving to Texas.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was, uh, we were, we did up in Connecticut, we did how many albums? Uh, at least four, I think. Mm-hmm. We, we, the last Whoop de Doo, uh, we did. And before that, Richie Kay's Music and Mirth. And we did uh, a New York City Subway Christmas. Um oh, we had been busking, Tony and I, in the in the uh in Grand Central Station and other places mm. in New York City mm-hmm. as part of the Music Under New York program that the mm. Metropolitan Transit Authority had. Uh, still has, I I would assume. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um when we played Vanderbilt Hall, uh you know, you might have twenty five thousand people see you for eight seconds, because they mm. pass by you. So <laughs> a lot of people can see and listen to it, and some stop and listen to a whole song. But it, yeah. was, um, it was entertaining, and, uh, and uh, well, that's the sort of thing we were, we were doing, and small theaters occasionally.
0: So when did the transition happen for you from the, the standards into the, the, the classic country genre?
1: It, it was a real surprise to me because I started to play solo here and I, I play private parties, corporate engagements uh, mm-hmm. in greater Houston and also Austin to some extent, but the, the opportunity to play solo also presented three hours, usually three hours, sometimes two hours, uh, that you have to have sufficient variety to keep, people engaged that's mm-hmm. a long that's mm-hmm. a long period of time and as a
0: solo artist especially
1: especially yeah and uh, the three chord thing just just it couldn't do the same thing over and over again I think that's mm-hmm. uh, that's a way of, of losing an audience that is easily distracted mm-hmm. uh, uh, now so what I what I thought was, maybe I ought to try because I had quite a few requests for someone would say, Oh, your voice sounds, your deep, rich voice, like Johnny Cash. Why don't you, Mm -hmm. can you sing this song? Mm -hmm. Well, that just exploded with ideas. I, I, after I learned, I think I learned probably 30 or 40 uh, numbers Mm -hmm. uh, before I went out to play them. But given the audience reaction, I decided to stick with it. And I found, as I dug into the back catalog, uh, I found just wonderful gems of songwriting Mm. in, in the country vein that I had never explored before. And I thought I knew um, the great songs of uh, American music. And of course Mm -hmm. I was thinking only of those that had been on stage Sure. Uh, but golly, when I started looking at all of these songs from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and even 70s that were not famous necessarily, but were really very, very well done, I thought, um, mm-hmm. this is, I think there's something here for me to learn and to sort of refresh in a new way as I did with Space City Funtet, the Blastoff album, which is. Sort of like a um, '50s Dean Martin
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, Esquivel kind of a, a feel to it, refreshed for uh, for for today. As uh, mm-hmm. so, I thought I would do the same sort of thing. Well, I, I can't say that I I intended to do that. That's just how it happened that I started mm-hmm. writing these things that were more so- country. Yeah.
0: We're going to take a quick break from the interview. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the interview. Was this a beginning of your songwriting career or or had that been a part of what you were doing all along and you were just kind of shifting genres?
1: I had been writing very poor songs for, I don't know, a long time. On and off, I would write something. Um, I, I did a sort of like a prog rock version of an album called F- fire and fall back, which I think was 2009. Um, and that was, that was kind of an experiment for me mm-hmm. in writing. Uh, I don't think it was, uh, uh, as successful, uh, successful as a writing experience as I would have liked, but what it did was it helped me learn the ideas of, of form. Mm-hmm. um, and you know, when I when I write my own melodies and lyrics, I'm intentionally using the song forms that these great songwriters of the 20th century invented and then perfected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's in that direction that I have been going. And as soon as I understood the relationship between form and content and melody, then I started to write songs that I thought were were worth recording.
0: Hmm. Do you do you feel like the um, the the classic country writers their their style um, uh, sparked songwriting for you in a in a new way? Is is it an easier form, uh, or or was it just the inspiration that came from that that allowed you to to um, uh, to to create? to pursue your craft in a in a way that, that felt like it was better music for yourself? I think it's sort of, uh, so, yeah, I think some of both.
1: Um, certainly when I heard, I think the first time I really got very excited to hear a song, one of the f- first ones, I'm, I'm, I have several hundred in my repertoire now, but but one of the first ones that I really admired a great deal was a song called You Call That a Mountain. Uh, B.J. Thomas recorded Mm -hmm. that and a lot of these songs were recorded once and then forgotten Um, I think Bucky Jones was one of the writers on that Uh, there's Mm. another song uh, Jerry Chestnut wrote uh, Farron Young recorded it um, and um, uh, I think it's Whatever's Left is the name of it, I think that's the Mm. one hank thompson's songs when mm-hmm. i when i started to listen to a lot of them what i had thought was simplistic without knowing the music i actually found a a, a complexity with but the appearance was simple mm. the the appearance was simple but there are layers and layers underneath uh, of meaning and 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 Consonance and harmony in there mm-hmm. that that appealed to me very greatly mm. and so I, I thought at first i wanted to try my hand with with one of them mm-hmm. and and um i just kept getting hooks in my head and mm. that you know it started it just started uh, it started from there
0: yeah that's neat so the the new record then that um uh, is just released, right? Is, is it just released or not quite released yet?
1: In, in fact, just released. It's. Uh, uh, I'm really thrilled to see that uh, in radio promotion, I, I know that just in the last two days, I've had nearly 500 radio station program managers streaming uh, tracks from the album. So I have some hopes that maybe it's going to get some play
0: yeah, on some radio
1: true. stations, um, yeah. and um, uh, some press here in Houston, yeah. which is uh, you know this is my main major
0: market, and right, and and the the album itself is called Plush Life, and um, again it's this uh, when I was listening to it uh, I had this uh, almost in some cases a honky tonk feel, but that classic country vibe I, I i presume that was all intentional
1: yes it, it was and and some of these songs are are tributes um like uh, uh wide awake at 3 a.m um is a ray price tribute
0: mm, okay
1: um i mean i ray price between say 19 54 55 and 1971 or two is one of my favorite opera american operatic voices you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and he came up with that tic-tac sound that that was so new and fresh then and even when i listen to it like my favorite album of all time um is nightlife uh which i think came out in 1961 i i love I love the the songs and I love the the space that the engineer created in the mix. Mm, mm, uh, that interesting. Um, yeah, it's um, a delight to listen to. And I thought, well, I, I I don't know if I can get there, but let's see if I can at least do a tribute.
0: And when you perform these songs live either when you get ready to, if you haven't yet, or or some of the songs you've done in the past, do you take the opportunity to um, fill in a little bit of the, the the history or the the reason you chose that kind of thing, like you just said to me, I, as a, as a person in the audience, um, there's a fine line between talking and talking too much, obviously, but I find when an artist um, gives that little bit of, um, this is why I recorded it or, you know, this is my favorite album. And, and so I tried to create the song in that vein. It, it, it seems to, as a listener, it, it creates, um, a depth to the experience of listening to the song that's not there. If you just kind of rattle them off one after the other. Yeah.
1: Well, these songs have not been played live except solo when I'm performing and I, i i don't play from a set list you know i i just i see what i like to feel the room and see where Mm -hmm. they're going Mm -hmm. and i'll play to what they're responding to um but if i do play the song it's solo so there's a lot that's that's left out um you know especially on this album um i mean other than than the voice the Mm -hmm. both the piano and pedal steel are especially pedal steel are so important to the 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 emotional feel yeah with and jody is jody cameron uh who is my pedal player uh i think is just a marvelous example of how that instrument can be used to create very beautiful sounds
0: yeah yeah hmm that's interesting well, I, I certainly uh, have enjoyed the, listening to the, the tracks on the album, and um, I, I I like um, when an artist uh, resurrect maybe isn't the right word, but um, there's so much, uh, as you've described in our, our chat, that music that got recorded and then just kind of got left alone after that that did get a chance to get exposed to an audience in, in some fashion, and so it's, it's always uh, as a listener appreciated when an artist um, attempts to try to rediscover a little bit of the, of the roots of music and um, bring that feel back uh, into the mainstream. So I, I, I'm excited that you've done that. And then and that's the kind of music you play. And we certainly wish you well with, with this new record.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, that's a wonderful thing that, that, uh, that you say about that. I, I think that our, um, uh, our musical heritage is a great contribution. Um, that it certainly gives me a great, a lot of pleasure in listening to,
0: mm.
1: and uh, pleasure in delivering to an audience. But and you know, it's not it's not difficult to find really great material. It's like sort of the diamonds are right there underneath the surface.
0: Yeah. 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 And
1: so, what, what with all the songs that I had, like uh, you know, Wibble Woggle, which is a novelty song about about a beer drinker whose wife mm-hmm. wants him to lose weight. Essentially, that that I remember songs like you know, Charlie Daniels. I was taking mm-hmm. a trip down to L.A., grooving along in my Chevrolet, mm-hmm. token on number and digging on the radio. You know those sort of things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or. Yeah. um Moonshine on the water, which is say, uh, I had, I would like to set a ballet to, or at least a a, a short video. I haven't mm-hmm. been able to arrange that yet. Of uh, of two young lovers, um, uh, is probably not what you might have heard in the fifties and the sixties, but I think there were some if you hear like Charlie Rich's string arrangements and things like that from the, the mid seventies, um, you might hear something like that when there were symphonic, um, orchestras in Nashville working for country mm-hmm. music, uh, labels. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, mm-hmm.
1: and that's sort of my nod to them. I, yeah. I, um, yeah. um, and other songs that I have on there that are um in some way of uh, where the river is wider, for example, which is much more blue grassy mm-hmm. um you know there are songs like johnny russell's uh they baptized Jesse Taylor in Cedar Creek last sunday mm-hmm. you know that that yeah, that's yeah, or, sure. that 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 yeah. sort of thing that are yeah i'm I'm trying to hark back to my uh musical ancestors. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to do with this album. Say thank you to them, and to people who might want to listen to this. I hope you enjoy it as much as much as I do.
0: Yeah, um, it's called Plush Life, Richie. How can people find uh, find you? Find your website. Uh, get a copy of the record. Listen to the music. All that kind of stuff.
1: Mm, thank you for asking. I'm at Richie K. R-I-C-H-I-E-K-A-Y-E dot com. Uh, and the album is available exclusively at Bandcamp. Uh, and that's going to be at, Band. if you go to Bandcamp.com and you search for Richie K, uh, K-A-Y-E, you'll come up with uh, several of my albums that are available there. I think uh, it might be streamed in a year or so, I I, I don't uh, think I'm going to put it on a streaming platform for a while. But it's mm-hmm. being uh, uh, promoted to radio, and um, if you call your radio station, and you say I'd like to hear this song, maybe uh, maybe they'll do that for you.
0: Yeah, excellent, great. Well, thank you, Richie. I've enjoyed uh, talking with you about the music and um, uh, a little bit of your history. And And uh, I love the progression of how you got to where you are. So, we, again, we wish you well with it. And uh, we'll talk again soon.
1: Thank you very much, Greg, for having me. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Have a great day.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com.